Welcome to the Business for Good podcast, hosted by myself, Megan Lampke, where we inspire people to dare greatly, do good, and impact lives while reimagining their businesses for good. Join us weekly as we interview top executives, founders, and business owners to learn why they've decided to add an impact component to their products and services. This show is partnered with Venture, a nonprofit organization based in Minnesota, where their vision is to do tough things to reach people in tough places, working with their Business for Good platform. To learn more information or to get involved, visit venture.org forward slash business for good. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Business for Good podcast with Megan Lamke. Today, I am so excited to have Mick White joining us. For those of you that haven't had the opportunity to interact with Mick yet, he is a rock star in the real in the startup community in the Twin Cities area and also um, has done some pretty amazing things with the 100-Year Manifesto. Mick, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast and welcome. Well, thank you, Megan. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about business as a force for good. As, as much as everything else in life, you're like, what are you really doing you know, with your life? What are you really doing with your business? And this is the stuff that I think about all day, every day. And oftentimes people are like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, well, this is what I do for fun. Right? Like, like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> like, that's the conversation I want to have with as many people as possible. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here today. Awesome. Well, before we get too far into all the things that we both geek out about, about doing business for good, tell everyone a little bit about your background and sure. what what propelled you to start a hundred year manifesto? Yeah. So I, I grew up in, in rural Illinois, um, just a, in a family of entrepreneurs. My dad's in the insurance and the investment world and my mom worked for him. And um, I just, right after college, I, I started in their office in um, talking about life insurance and talking about these type of things of like, what are you doing um, financially? Mm-hmm. And so I, w- I was there for nine years and then in 2006 moved to the Twin Cities and I moved up here with intentions to be up here for six months or 12 months and then moved back to Illinois and uh, and that didn't happen. You know, 15 years later, 14 years later, here I am. I met this girl and uh, so here, here I am. But uh, a couple things that coming from the insurance and a, and a financial background, a couple things happened that really changed um, perspective. And one of them was uh, I'd, I'd been engaged for um, a little over a month. And on June 13th, 2011, uh, my mom died from an accidental overdose on aspirin. And um, mom was 58 years old and she was there one day and not there the next. And and God love her, like she professionally was a grocery store clerk and then worked in my father's office. She didn't have a lot of awards on her wall. She didn't have, you know, certificates and, and uh, things that she had accomplished professionally. Um, she didn't go to college, but um, three days after her death was a visitation and it was seven hours long. And people just kept showing up from all walks of life, talking about the impact that my mom had on them and how she loved on them and all, all of these amazing stories. 
And so that happened and it really changed. Um, and, I, and I read a book that summer that kind of talked about like, what are you doing and how much is enough? And, you know, trying to set different goals than yeah. revenue, 10% growth, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you measure success in life? And so um, it really changed this conversation around like how much money is enough and what are you doing for retirement and who gets what when you die versus a hundred years from now, like what's really important. Yeah. And so, so that happened um, and that's, that got the wheels turning. And in my marriage, uh, we got married uh, four or five months later and it was challenging. We had, uh, when, when they say for better, for worse, we had a lot of both. Um, and I'm thankful for uh, the lessons. I'm thankful for the relationship that we still have together, but our, our marriage didn't last yet. People would ask as we were going through a lot of stuff, they're like, why, why are you doing this? Like, you know, and, and I'm thinking, do you not know who I am? Like, of course I'm going to do this. Of course I said for better, for worse. And I like to think a lot of the for worse is really when you get to see the true colors mm-hmm. of how do you handle a situation that's not ideal. And so just kind of going through that process um, with the framework of a hundred years from now for my boys, like what's most important a hundred years from now for my ex-wife. Now what's most important is um, if I have a better framework for living, I get to make better choices. If I don't have any framework for living, it's just willy nilly. I don't know. Like, does this sound like a good idea or not? But if I can have uh, a framework, then I can make different choices. So um, fast forward through all that, I really just got into this like thought of if I can live a life on purpose, a live a life of meaning around making decisions, not for today, but for a hundred years from now, it changes how I parent it changes how I run a business. It changes how I take care of myself or my friend. And so that's kind of how, how we got started. And that was, I don't know, three, four years ago, maybe. Um, and then today I'm on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, that easy, right? Right. It's just that simple. Uh. Yeah, I got, I got, I got some uh, coffee mugs and swag and, uh, you know, like I'm up and running. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. Oh, I love that so much. Um, I'm just choking back tears on my end because I actually knew this part of your story, but I don't think you knew that we have a very similar story in that both of our mothers died really suddenly. Um, and my mom was the larger than life, very similar to your stories I've heard about your mom, where um, we were there for hours and hours and hours, like so much that um, three of my siblings and I, we had to take breaks because the whole town showed up. Like people came in from, flew in from States, people flew in from overseas. And I, just that idea of what kind of legacy do you want? to leave and what's really going to matter in a hundred years is how you treat your kids, how you treat children in your life and how that impacts future generations. And when those children start having kids is, I just love yeah. that so much. Is, I think that, that, that thought of like, 
whatever you do unto the least of these, like you do unto me. And, and, and mom, and it sounds like yours too, like, mm-hmm. you know, similar people showed up telling us these stories, my sisters and I had these stories. And, and I'm thinking like, who are you? Like, mom never once mentioned your name. Like, I have no idea who you are. And yet you're in tears because of the loss. And right. as CEOs from Fortune 500 companies to people from the AA hall and grade school friends that you're like, I never even knew my mom knew you. Right. And that impact, it doesn't have to be. I, I think where people get a lot of, uh, they get frazzled around what's my purpose in my business and, uh, you know, like how do I um, give and do better? My thing first is always like, you got to know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, I think the, the start with why is great. But until you, you know who you are, you're never going to figure out your why. Right. And, and that impact, the most important impact, I believe, starts at home. Mm-hmm. Like being a good dad, being a great dad, being a great mom or a spouse or whatever. But even to peel that back some more is like, I have to be great for myself. And I have to take care of myself and my own health mm-hmm. in order to do good for other people. And so I think a lot of times people are, they, they want to come up with this, um, you know, we give away X amount or for everything we sell, we give away something like that's great. Mm-hmm. What are you doing at home? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, from a coming from a financial background, um, so I don't manage money anymore. So I, I, yeah. I get to have conversations though still today around like, I can tell you a good way to lose at least 50% of everything you have with no opportunity for recovery and um, your, your uh, current spouse will go on that trip that you guys always talk about mm-hmm. with your kids, with somebody else. And that other person's going to be really happy about how hard you work and all the awards that you win because you lost half of it. Right. And, and now you don't get to see your kids. Mm-hmm. And now your life is a lot more difficult, but good job winning all the awards. Yeah. Way to go. Way to hit President's Club so you can fund somebody else's. Yeah. Right. Like you, yeah. you, 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 but you missed. And I think the other thing people at home, entrepreneurs, business owners that they're like, they wear that badge of honor, how many hours they work. And I'm like, this is nonsense. And, and people will say, oh, Mick, you have a lifestyle business. I'm like, what's the opposite of a lifestyle business? Right? Like, yeah. you could have a lifestyle business with a company with 200 employees if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And so just a lot of stuff and that you, you hear that you're like, I don't, I don't, I'd much rather win like the best dad ever award. Yeah. Then, um, Speaking of which, I got a little guy creeping in on my podcast right now. McAllister, we're excited that you decided to peek in. Come here, buddy. (laughs) You can be on the show. My daughter is interrupted too, Mac. Fine. I need for you to come here right now. 
Um, so he's stepped out. <laughs> That's fine. Totally fine. Uh, he's trying, like he, he's sick, so he can't read the screens on the TV. So sometimes he needs help of whatever. Yeah. Um, but just if we want to get back into yep. that, that thought around, I want to win the best ad ever award. As much as I want to win other awards, like that's more important. And people will say like, I never miss my kids' big events. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to go speak um, somewhere and miss my son's first day of kindergarten. And I took it Mm -hmm. because the first day of kindergarten isn't the big event. Mm -hmm. The big event is the other 364 days that I'm there with them eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. A pandemic hit, and so I couldn't go speak anyways. We didn't have the first day of kindergarten. But but that kind of thought of like, I want to be able to pick them up and and take them to school. I want to be part of the mom's club. Mm -hmm. You know, of all the moms who were there before and after school, um, not just run a big business. Um, So anyway, um, you can tell I get fired up around like, what are you really doing with your life? And what are you really doing, especially as an entrepreneur, because there's a lot of ways you can muck it up. Mm-hmm. There are, and there's so many efficiencies that you can implement. And I feel like, like you said, anyone can choose to create a lifestyle business, whether you have one employee or hundreds or even thousands, it's a mentality of how are you empowering people that you're working with? And how are you creating things that prioritize what's the most important and, um, you know, really focusing in when you are working, you're working, you're not going to the water cooler. You're not scrolling on social media. You're head down doing the tap. Right. So that that thought of like, what's the highest and best use of my time? Right. And and if I said, Megan, uh, you have one hour to work today. You're like, well, I'm going to do this. Yeah. This is my most important thing. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes, like if I said, well, Megan, you have 10 hours to work today. You will maybe not get that number one thing done. Yeah. Like, and in that focused prioritization of with work, a lot of people ask like, how Mick with like with your business success, how do you find time for all the things that you do with your son? And I'm like, you're asking me the wrong question. Mm-hmm. You should ask me with all the things you do with your son, how do you find time for business? Mm-hmm. Because if, if you have an hour, it takes an hour. Mm-hmm. If you have 10 hours, it takes 10 hours. And I, I, all of a sudden, I was forced into having a 10-month-old on my lap, working one hour a day via my phone, via text, and prospecting through Twitter. <laughs> because I had to. Mm-hmm. And previously, I was working 60 hours a week, having 25 coffees. You know, like super. That's a awesome. lot of coffee in one day. You were probably overly caffeinated. And it was awful, right? <laughs> like you, you get the shakes and you're fr- you can't sleep and anxiety is high. Yeah. But there's so much around like that hustle mm-hmm. that that's what you're supposed to do. I'm like, man, that's not that's not what you're supposed to do. Right. It was miserable. But. um so yeah, just really what's that highest and best use of my time and to guard it with everything you have, because all we have is time, right? Like right. 
given, given the choice of working or being with my kid or doing something else, like as much as I love work, I also love being with my kid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, um, getting those priorities right and trying to figure out like, what, what am I trying to do with business and my life and what is most important? I think a lot of people struggle with of we're taught grow your company, have a bigger business, work more hours. It's all great. Like it depends on what uh, lens you're looking at it through. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think yeah, for a lot of, for a lot of, a lot of people want to get married. The the pastor, priest, whoever it might be, doesn't have the real conversation that they need to have with them. Say like, Megan, do you love your your spouse so much that you're willing to give up your business or some of your professional pursuits? Mm-hmm. Or are you just saying that he's number one in your life, but he's not really <laughs> right? Like, yeah. let's just call it what it is. Just like, don't yeah. be bashful about it. Like. Maybe work is number one. Say it. Like tell your spouse like you're not as much, you're not as important to me as my job is. Mm-hmm. And if then you said that one of two things is going to happen, right? Like I like to watch, <laughs> but it would probably get it out on the table to be like either say okay, I'm okay with that, or less fighting about work and mm-hmm. you know relationships. Right. So, exactly. Um, anyway, I'm. I'm <laughs> now you're just fired don't up. Don't drink as much coffee as I used to. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't take me much to get fired up about these topics because I think it's so important and people don't think about it. Like, we just go through life without having until it's too late, mm-hmm. until you're in counseling or things are rocky. Then, or, you know, health changes mm-hmm. and people make different decisions versus, uh, so kind of going back to my mom, I thought like, if my mom, if you can get my mom's heart and her desire for good coupled with an entrepreneur or a business owner who has the opportunity and the ability to make a lot of money or do a lot of good, like if you could mash up those two, that's where magic happens. Those people can change generations. Mm-hmm. Um, they can change communities and have major impact beyond, you know, again, God love my mom. Her, she had a influence, but she didn't have a social media, 10,000 followers, right? Like it was the people that she came in contact with one-on-one. I think business owners or entrepreneurs have that opportunity to, to exponentially impact more people if they get it right um, and maybe miss the opportunity if they don't get it right. And what I love about the Hunger Gear Manifesto is you're pulling that purpose out of founders and business owners and entrepreneurs and having them either re-architect their mission, vision, passion around that and re-architect the way they do business or like completely scrap it and say, I'm going to start this new vision. Tell us a little bit about that process and some of the impact that you've been able to make. Yeah, I I think it's um, growing up in like the life insurance industry, 
I think I just, you know, with my dad and in my early 20s, I was able to learn how to ask any question. And, you know, being vulnerable about my own story and my own situation, I think lets a guard down with people to say, like, I'm going to ask you questions because I need to and you want me to. Mm-hmm. And so that that process of around there's there's not right or wrong answers. It's not my answers. It's what's right or wrong for the person mm-hmm. after they go through and examine their own life. That then is becomes the issue around like, do you want to talk about this stuff? Because it's it can be in some he- heavy conversations like I'm crying or my client's crying or you know, I get some random messages and random times about stuff, but it's a safe space to go through. Like we don't have, we don't have people we talk to about real stuff unless we're going to counseling. We have some friends, but most of our friends, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to say like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Cause they'd be like, Oh, (laughs) that's, that's heavy, right? Um, so this, just this process around like, who are you? You know, starting with who are you and then trying to determine not the competition with other people, but the competition with myself and what am I capable of? And once I identify what am I capable of and who I am, then it's pretty easy to build that path that strategy on how to get there. But um, I'd argue that most people don't know who they are and they're, they're going down a path that they haven't really thought about why they're going down that path. Mm. Other than that's the path that other people are going down to. Yeah. And so trying, trying to, you know, identify who, who are you? What's that? What are you capable of? What's that strategy to get there? And then to surround yourself with the right people, the right people who are going to either um, inspire you, you know, build you up, you know, bring you along with them, um, but being very deliberate around who who's in our innermost circle. Mm-hmm. Where do we spend our time? Because there's a lot of people out there that are good people, but if we don't protect our time, Mm-hmm. We're going to go around doing a lot of good for other people and maybe not doing the most amount of good for the people we care about the most. And so, it, you know, that the good is the enemy of great. Like we can go around doing good for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And yet we miss out on the most important people in our lives. So um, anyway, I think that's going back to like our moms. I think maybe that's what they got right. Mm-hmm that they were able to go deep with people and show them what they meant to them and not be distracted by, you know, social media, text messages or other things. Right. But that one, one time, right? Like if your mom was anything like my mom, I'm sure you have stories around her, her ability to use technology. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, my mom um, had her own private practice when she was an entrepreneur. Um, And so she didn't really understand computers. And so I would like literally code all of her patient files for her. I'm like 
mom, don't you have like HIPAA or something? Like I'm, I'm 10. Should I be doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. Are you sure you want this? <laughs> My mom and I, we would go back and forth. Um, she would unfriend people on Facebook. And this was yeah. you know, 2009, 2010. But she yeah. continually unfriended our family members. <laughs> and, and she would, because she didn't like what was on their Facebook wall, messages, whatever. And so she would unfriend them because she didn't like them being on her computer. I'm like, well, mom, they're, they're not actually on your computer. And so we went back and forth of like, they are on her computer because she can see them. And I'm like, no, 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 they're, they're yeah. not on your computer. They're trying to explain the internet and where all of this actually is. And so finally, as, as a son who's learning does, just says, you're right, mom. <laughs> just, just, just unfriend your granddaughter <laughs> once again. <laughs> right? like, just totally yeah, right. You're right. You're right. It's on your computer. I was wrong. She goes, unfriend everybody. <laughs> right. Choose your uh, battles. And, yeah, that's that's the uh, stuff I miss so about great. her. Right. Like that's the stuff why people loved her was she yeah. was just so authentically herself. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Same with my mom. It would just be like. She would say how things were, and if we didn't like it, then okay, you don't have to hang out with her. <laughs> but she personality yeah. where she would just pull people in and right. be really direct and blunt. And, and sometimes those those people are easier to love when they're not your family members. And uh, my, my mom was like, <laughs> she, she loved the color orange, like not just a little bit, like mm. everything. Mm-hmm. You know, an orange PT cruiser, or an orange telephone, you know, an orange, like she always had orange on and it didn't have to match, right? Like yeah. just the more orange, the better. And so she was the orange lady, which, you know, when she died, they sold out of orange flowers in our small town. <laughs> like there was orange everywhere. And it's, you know, 10 years later, people will send me pictures of sunsets or when they see something orange. And I think like, that is an impact that happens where people will see something 10 years later, they're reaching back out to me to say like, I saw this, I thought of your mom and I just wanted to let you know, you want to cut up an apple? Sure, buddy. (laughs) Use the other bowl. There's one in the sink. Uh, He got a new knife. Oh, exciting. Friendly knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've cut up apples in the last day. Like, I'm, I'm done with apples. <laughs> but once you figure out a new skill, it's so exciting to. <laughs> like I, I, I just, like, one apple a week, buddy, is plenty for me, not six. <laughs> <laughs> the gray bowl? No, because it's a black bowl. You know. You don't just use it. You don't need a bowl. Can you shut the door, please? (laughs) So sweet. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, for me as a dad, I'm my goal is I'm trying to raise a healthy man. Yeah. He happens to be six right now. (laughs) 
but he's somebody's future boss, employee, you know, student, teacher, friend, spouse, whatever. And you know, pick up your own Slim Jim wrappers. Like, and sometimes you eat Slim Jims for breakfast. Like that's the way life works. Like right. you don't always get a great breakfast. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like he's six. We have fun and play, but cut your own apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now he brings me apples. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to raise a healthy kid um, who one day is in counseling for different things than what I'm in counseling for. I think that's success. Like your kid's in counseling, but you pass on different things than your own issues. (laughs) They now have different issues than you. Right. Well, yeah. And I know I've gotten to the point in counseling where when you don't have anything else to, to talk about, and there's like kind of like those lulls when life events happen, they're like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about from like a personal development, like goal standpoint? And you're like, wait a second, I get to talk about all of like the hopes and dreams and like the good things, not just dealing with the baggage for a hot minute. Awesome. <laughs> Let's right. do that. And, um, and I well, agree. I think, making, I think, go ahead. I agree. I think making sure that my daughter isn't dealing with some of the same emotional things that I've dealt with over the years is winning and is a huge impact and a huge legacy. And I think that counseling is important for anyone because we all have this condition called being human. (laughs) So the the first, as as I was going through a lot of stuff um, a handful of years ago, I'm finally making it to counseling, right? Probably, I was probably only 30 years overdue (laughs) that I'm in counseling for the first time. I'm sitting there with a 10 month old on my lap and uh, he had uh, just messed his pants. And I was, you know, single dad taking care of this kid through a lot of stuff. And I didn't have a diaper. And so he's sitting on my lap. I'm in counseling for the first week ever. And uh, so we're going through all the stuff. And then the counselor, after I just like unload on him, all these things, counselor like, so what's your goal? And I told him what my goal was. Yeah, I'm like, I, w- I want my wife to come home. Mm. And he's like, that can't be your goal. I like, no, 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 like it's my goal. It's specific. It's measurable. Like, it's actually <laughs> it. like, and I'll put a time bound on there too, if you need me to, like, it's my goal. And so we went back and forth and I'm thinking like, this counselor is a knucklehead. Like I know about goal setting after 20 years of being in business. Like I know goals, yeah. right? Like this works. And then he said, you don't have any control over it. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, it's still my goal. <laughs> you asked why I'm here, what my goal is. That's why I'm here. And so we went back and forth. And so finally I'm like, well, fine. Just put a little asterisk by that. Like, it's a subset goal. I'm like, so what's my goal? And he said, um, we, we came, you know, went back and forth a little bit. And he said, what about to be the man and the father and the husband that God created you to be? Mm. I'm like, that sounds hard. <laughs> right? I like the other goal better. The other yeah. goal is like, that puts it on somebody else. <laughs> This is like, and, and since then, it just really helped me, you know, centering, like, I'm just trying to be 
who I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a really lousy Megan. I'm a really <laughs> lousy Michelai Bedore. Like, I will never be a, as good of being Michelai Bedore as he is. Mm-hmm. Or Aaron Eckert or Josh Feedy or any, you know, pick anybody right. else. I'm pretty good at being myself, though, yeah. when I really allow myself that um, the ability to just be me mm-hmm. and not be someone else. So, um, yeah. So what, what's your, just as a side, you know, what's your goal? You know, man, counseling, counseling helped me out more than probably anything else did in my life. Yeah. And I think like everybody should be in counseling all the time. Mm-hmm. I, that's a, yeah. I end up, you know, some of, some of my, some of my clients say what well, in their little, a uh, couple of them still send me like real checks. And so that in the memo, they'll say like therapy. I'm like, <laughs> for the record, just for the record, I'm not a therapist. Right? Like, like, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's a space to like dump your bucket, mm-hmm. sort through some stuff. And so it, I, I appreciate them saying it, but I'm like, just so you know, like, <laughs> This you can't use your HSA for this. <laughs> Interesting idea, but yeah. no, I'm not a therapist. Like, if you knew what I got in psychology courses in college, you would not want me to be your therapist. Yeah, but based on what I've been through in life, people are like I appreciate how you handle this and how you have a focus on what you're doing. Help me get to that place too. So, um, I don't know if we're talking about any of the stuff you wanted to talk about. We are, we are. So I'm just happy to be talking to somebody who's not six. (laughs) I mean, we can do this more often if you really want. (laughs) I have the time. Um, So, tell us more about where you therapist. No, but both of my parents were licensed marriage and family therapists. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and then after my mom passed, my dad married this wonderful woman who is a licensed marriage and family therapist also. So I've literally been in therapy my entire yeah, life. Yeah. And you might I, want to go talk to somebody about that. Yeah, and then I do. <laughs> my mom, my dad, my dad's new wife are all therapists. They're all therapists. That is I need so to wonderful. talk to somebody about what it's like to be me in that. <laughs> but it's really, we're really blessed. Like it's, it's absolutely wonderful that our blended family, we call it our bonus family. So I have a bonus mom. I have bonus siblings. It's that, that whole attitude of where there are some families where it doesn't work out this great. And we're all, if we met each other randomly on the street, we'd choose to be best friends. So. It's, I think it's, it's a choice, right? Like when, yeah. when I'm my son's mom, um, she had a son who was one and a half and he's 14 now. And he's part of the reason why I stayed in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get to see him as often as I used to, but I still have a choice to do what I said I was going to do, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not his mom and I are together. But I have, I can still show up, mm-hmm. and I can still. He's fourteen, so he's not real great on responding to text messages, and sometimes he will call me at two in the morning because he doesn't know what time it is and he's playing video games. Yeah, but I can still show up and be his Mick. Like regardless of any legal status, right? And whether it's today or thirty years from now, he and I can still have that relationship no matter what. 
Mm-hmm. I think it, it is a choice whether or not um, there's a legal status behind it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get to choose who you love and you get to choose who you want to be in your life. And like you were talking about earlier, you get to choose as an entrepreneur and business owner who you let into that inner circle or that board of directors to help you navigate and charter through rough waters or calm seas. And so uh, where can people find out more information about the 100-year manifesto and if the cohort model would be a good fit for them? Yeah, um, they can go to 100yearmanifesto.com. We just revamped the website. You can track me down on LinkedIn. Um, It's Mick White at 100-Year Manifesto. They can send me an email at mick.white at 100yearmanifesto.com. And they can join like my four Instagram followers. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) If you want to be in my top 10, like what I miss about, what I miss about MySpace is that you got to rank your friends. Oh yeah. I think there needs to be more of that in life. Like I just want to put you in your place. Like (laughs) number 48, like there's 47 other people more important to you. That was the best about my Yes. I mean, I think I used MySpace for a very different reason. It was for talking to guys that were like musical and drummers and like, it was a little bit different, you know, cause you can follow their band, but ranking friend groups in MySpace. I, I think that we should bring it back. I think so. Um, <laughs> that, and you could have your own theme song when somebody went. Oh to- yeah. Right. Like I just remember changing your, your own song. You're like, yeah, this is what I'm feeling today. And you let everybody else know where you were at. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, rank your friends and have theme music. <laughs> if nothing else, like that's. that's, that's yes. Worth, <laughs> worth exploring. Awesome. Well, Mick, thank you so much for being our guest today. Until next time, everyone, dare greatly, do good, and make a difference. This has been Business for Good with Megan Lamke. Thank you for joining the Business for Good podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share this with a friend. 